The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Miracles in Recovery with Ray Lynch. If you are one of the millions of people facing addiction issues or the loved one of someone who is, we're here to help and to discuss solutions. Hope is in your corner. Now, here's your host, Ray Lynch. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Miracles in Recovery. My name is Ray, and in the studio, I have Ellen with me. Hi, Ellen. Hi, everybody. How are you tonight? I am very well, thank you. Good. Another beautiful Monday. Uh, tonight's show, we're going to speak about resentments and how to process yourself through them. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the textbook definition of what a resentment is, and then we can share our experience, strength, and hope with how we've found them in our life and hopefully have processed through them in a good positive way. Here's the definition. A resentment is defined as a feeling of persistent ill will or bitterness towards things or people. It is an all-consuming negative emotion that is felt in response to real or imagined harms done. People who have resentments dwell on feeling hurt or angry and the intensity of the emotions are frequently out of proportion with what actually happened. Boom. That says it all right there. For me, um, I know that when I experience something that I deem negative towards me or someone I love, I have to stop, count, process before I react. And because for so long, when I was newly clean, I immediately either jumped to the defense of what somebody was sending to me or blew it all out of whack in my mind and find, found myself out there using again because of what somebody said, what somebody did, what somebody didn't say or didn't do. Um, you know, I know for me that a resentment is a very, very dangerous place uh, to be, to carry, to embrace, to live my life around negative thoughts and not have the proper... For you older people, Rolodex, to be able to get myself to the proper point where I need to be with it. And for me, I have to say, um, I'm not an addict, but I live with addicts, 
And for me, even identifying something as a resentment is difficult. I tend to be the type of person who tries to look on the bright side and I will stuff something that makes me angry. I don't identify as an angry person. And, you know, when you were reading the definition, something that makes you angry, I wouldn't know if something made me angry or not a lot of the time. That's, that's part, of the thing, part of the things that I have to work on uh, is looking at what are the things that, that do become resentments and let's identify it as a resentment so that we can begin to process it in a good way rather than stuffing it becoming bitter, becoming sad, becoming depressed. And that's that's what I tend to do. Yeah, you know, it, it really doesn't matter what causes you to feel resentful. It's what happens to you after the fact. After the fact. And that's, that's where it is dangerous territory for an addict or even a family member, a loved one, to um, gravitate to. Because it's a very unhealthy environment to live in. And we it's all- very easy when you live with addicts to become very resentful because the behaviors, the you know, the trouble, the stealing, all of the things that addicts tend to do is is something that will make you very resentful and very distrusting. And that behavior tends to feed into the you know into the relative and the resentments become huge. And, and I think one of the other things that you noted in the definition was that whether it's out of proportion or not. And right. I think a lot of times it's very easy for the resentment to get blown way out of proportion because of past history, because of, you know, the way that things are happening in your life. And things tend to happen really quickly, too. No, exactly. And, and a lot of times a, re- a resentment is only in your mind. Exactly. Somebody said something, and you processed it a different way, and you and they're renting space in your head. Shame on you. And a lot of yeah, it's a lack of communication in many instances. People process things differently. People come at things differently. And I know for me, being somebody from the south, the worst thing you can ever do <laughs> is go directly at someone and tell them how you're feeling. So instead of doing that, you may talk around it. You may talk behind someone's back. You may do everything to not communicate what is going on because you're not supposed you're not supposed to get in somebody's face That's just yeah we don't that. we don't have that problem I, I <laughs> you guys are real different <laughs> yeah so so put me up against a yankee <laughs> it's just uh things may not happen the way they should because the communication won't be there right no that's true that's very true and and you know holding a resentment is a choice at, at some point, it's a choice. I mean, if I, I, I really don't know the point of where um, the resentment takes over in my process, but there are many times, even today, that I can get myself out of kilter just by something that I've put in my mind. You know, like when we were, you know, the, the few minutes before I started stressing because I didn't see your car. I was like, all right. <laughs> that could definitely be a resentment. Right. No, <laughs> but it wasn't, really a re- it, was, it wasn't a resentment. It was, it, was, uh, it was a concern, which ultimately in the Mad Hatter's mind will turn into it's your fault. You know, and that's where I have to... 
sit back, take inventory of what I'm trying to process, and try to readjust it and not make that choice to turn it into something negative. Which is easy to do. Oh. And I think a lot of times we, we have expectations of people. Using the example you just used, you expect me to be on time, and I'm not. And, I, you know, I hear a lot. Expectations are just resentments waiting to happen. So if, if you have an expectation of someone or something and it doesn't happen the way that, that you want it to, that can very easily turn into something that you resent that makes you angry and that you're not processing appropriately. And like you said, it will rent space in your head, get in your way, and ruin your day or your days even. Yeah, you know, some weeks, resentments can months, last a yeah, long time. Yeah. Usually, usually it's because we don't know any other way. Exactly. To come to grips with, you know, the, the painful feeling of hurt, rejection, abandonment. Um, here I am by myself. What do I do? Nobody's looking out for me. Nobody's caring for me. And in a, you know, the last time that I chose to use was February 28th, 1989. But my mind doesn't know that. The addict inside of me doesn't know that and can still process me towards a place where it's an option to use. And for me, fortunately enough, the, the distance I have from my last use affords me the opportunity to use the tools that I learned along the way. In, in new recovery, I had no clue why I was going back out and blaming it on everyone else. And it was, you know, one, probably because I felt guilty about what I was doing. I wanted to hide. Two, I was angry because I lost the uncomfortable comfortability of using, if you understand that. And, you know, three, I was doing something that was so foreign to me, not using. It was normal to get up and hurt. It was normal to get up and chase. It was normal to get up and feel all these other things. And when that was taken away, it was so easy to grab something that was said just in a sentence, just in passing, and use that as a tool to motivate myself back out the door and have it be your fault. And I think that's why it's so very important to have a support system where you can where you can work through these types of things, where you can process what you're feeling, why you're feeling it, why maybe what you're feeling isn't true, isn't real, isn't something you need to be feeling. And, and I think there are the support systems that are available for addicts and their families are very helpful in pointing it out. And a lot of times, with, you know, people will use examples with me. They'll use examples or they will take something that I've done and, and say, all right, step back a minute. Did you stop? Did you think? Mm -hmm. Did you try to process or did you just react? And I think it's that hair trigger reaction of anybody who, who is trying to process a resentment and not actually even identifying it as such. It's just, you know, somebody did something to me and now I'm, I'm going to get all up and be upset and puffed up and, and instead of doing something about it in a constructive way so that I don't have to feel bad. And I think the bottom line and the goal is that I don't have to feel bad. I don't need to feel bad. You know, the funny thing you just said, I forgot even what it was because I was trying to process what I was going to say. 
<laughs> is I used to see bumper stickers. Live and let live. Or, mm-hmm. You don't see them. Or, you don't see them anymore. I, or or, or I don't, maybe maybe they're out there. I just don't notice them because they're not used as a negative fuel or motivation for me. But I would see bumper stickers. Live and let live. Just don't use. Um, do you see them out there anymore? No, I don't think I've seen okay. anything like that so, for a while. Everything s- is live in the moment now. Right. So I, so I'm not crazy. But that used to set me off and that was on me that was my choice to use that as an excuse to put myself in a negative frame of mind where the immediate option was to use to hide you know so uh, a a resentment is a very very dangerous place or or a re- carrying a resentment is a very very dangerous thing to do if you are motivating towards recovery, motivating towards staying clean. But it's an all-too-human thing to do. I think um, we are programmed to resent things, and we are not programmed in positive ways to process all of the things that other human beings and situations that happen to us do and make us feel. And, And the most wonderful gift to me of having a support system is people who will call me out and say, wait a minute. You know, maybe sometimes it's okay to be resentful. Maybe I have a right to be. But don't sit and stew in it. Process it and let it go because otherwise it's going to make me sick and it's going to make me unhappy and it's going to mess up my life. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, for me anyway, we're, we're in the same yard, but we've got like a fence between us because <laughs> we, um, I think for me, there's no such thing as a healthy resentment. You know, I, I think there's there may be healthy anger but a resentment is a very negative that's that's like hateful it's not it's not mad or angry to me it's hateful because i feel used abused um disrespected uh discounted all the all the lesser than things that my disease affords me the opportunity to feel i've said it before one moment, I feel I'm so greater than, and then in the next moment, I feel lesser than. That's that's what my disease gave me to work with. A giant ego with an inferiority complex. If that's what you want to call I've it. I've always heard <laughs> <laughs> but, but I I can occasionally, things will happen that, yes, I do get resentful, and you know I can talk to somebody, and they say, well, you have a right, and I guess it's more anger. You have a right to be upset. You have a right to be angry. But don't let it, like you say, rent space in your head. Mm-hmm. Don't let it eat you alive because there is no point in that. Right. But it takes it really takes sitting down and thinking through and processing rather than just reacting. And I think that's what a lot of people, particularly people with poor impulse control, tend to do. You know, and I think when we're newly in recovery, we take the focus immediately off ourselves and put it on someone else. And it's always easier to have a resentment on someone else's behavior because I was told this is the way that you're supposed to act and I'm going to police you now because now, you know, and it's definitely not a healthy place to be because people aren't even aware that you're in their space and 
you're angry with somebody for a month and they don't know it. You know, and the thing is, is that the greatest thing to do is to have someone there to assist and to be comfortable to be able to talk to, to help you get through to the other side. And who's had the experience and understands exactly what you're doing and True. why you're doing it. And I think that's very important, too, to have somebody who says, okay, I've been through this, I know, and this is what I did. You, know, you don't have to do it my way, but this is what I did. Here are some examples. That has helped me more than anything. Mm-hmm. Is first of all, someone understands, someone's been there, too. I'm not crazy. I'm not, I'm not stupid, and um, this is how they handled it, and hey, I never thought of that. And maybe this is a good way to, you know, this is a good way to go with this problem. Right, because for me, I know, uh, you know, a resentment is one of the most common reasons why I went back out. I found one. Yeah. To justify using. It's an excuse. Yeah, exactly. I found one. And I used to think it was a reason. It was an excuse. I thought it was a reason. And not having the benefit of being on the, like, you know, I, I speak of the other side of the fence. Not having the benefit of being on the other side of the fence with... A lot of the, you know, quote unquote, emotional terrorism of it all, which I have experienced it. Um, but I still feel a resentment like an addict, no matter what. I still feel an, a resentment like an addict. And I know that if I don't process it, I'm the one that pays the price. I mean, people pay the price around me be, because I snap out of the side of my neck out of it for no, no reason. But, you know. It's, I, it's always helpful to be able to process. And I think. You know, having somebody snap at you, that, that that's enough to make me resentful because I'm not going to say anything back to you. I'm just going to sit and stew. But to be able to have someone call me out on it and explain to me why I'm feeling this way is the biggest help I've ever had. If you would like to join us and be a part of this show and a part of the solution, please call 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. We would love to talk to you. We'll share a little more of our experience, strength, and hope when we come back from break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. The root causes of disease can be better prevented and cured using an integration of modern medicine and holistic healing techniques. Become educated by tuning in to Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. Conventional medicine does have its place, but it should not be the only course of action. It's all about regenerating and healing our whole selves through better choices in lifestyle, foods, spiritual connection, and stress management. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is a distinct connection between your physical health and your spiritual health. You would be surprised at how closely the two go hand in hand. By taking care of your body, you take care of your spirit. And it works the other way, too. Honor God with what He gave you. Listen for the Divine Wellness Academy radio program with Troy Izmir. Tune in live every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. And be inspired to use your body for God's glory. 
Do you feel that you aren't at your best when it comes to your personal health? Even if your doctor gives you a clean bill of health and says everything is in working order, perhaps you aren't feeling at the top of your game. Dr. Rebecca Risk overcame pain and fatigue despite all tests to the contrary. Learn how she put her health back on track and how you can too on Falling Through the Cracks. Live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Miracles in Recovery. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. We're going to pick up the conversation where we left off. Feel free to join us at 866-472-5792. Let your voice be heard. Make a difference. So like we were talking about with resentments and staying clean and being a loved one of someone, alcohol and drug addiction aren't just drinking and drugging problems. They're thinking problems. You know, and when I got clean, I had no clue how to think. I didn't have to think for many years. The only thing that I had to think of was next. How I was going to make it through the day. I didn't even have to worry about the day, how I was going to make it through the next hour. So there was no real thought process. And that's how my mind, like you said last week, there it takes quite a few months for you to be able to develop the receptors and all of that. Stuff. So, yeah, just the brain chemistry itself. You've got yeah. the post-acute withdrawal syndrome where your, I think it's serotonin and dopamine levels are all screwed up, and that can take up to two years before it normalizes. So you think you've got a person whose whole way of life has changed, who is no longer uh, able to use something that was... Uh, apparently soothing in some way that, that you know, you became so obsessed with doing it. You take all of that away, put you in a different environment, say you need to change people, places, and things. And how are you, how do you not get, it, it must be diff- difficult to process. I can't even begin to imagine. It's too much of a process. Yeah. You know, tying my shoes was a chore. So how was I going to process myself past anything that my disease tried to hook me with to get back to where it thought I belonged. And you're probably in a situation where you're around a lot of other people who are going through the exact same thing. So you're in a very, you're in an emotional cauldron to begin with in early recovery. And if you're around other addicts in early recovery, I'm sure the the emotions get high really quickly. I don't want to say people getting clean or sober today have a safer environment to do it. But I remember 
27, 30 years ago, there were three people. And we were leaning on the sick and suffering to get our clear message. And that's why it took, I don't, I, you know, I'm going to negatively justify it. Because of that, it took me a long time to be able to get out of my own way enough to let the positive flow back in. My, my mindset for the longest time, I wouldn't necessarily recognize it as negative, but to look back at it now, it, I would have to say that it absolutely was negative. I just thought it was numb. And that's a dangerous place for someone who is not using who has the same mindset, they just don't have the chemical in their system. And that's why a lot of times they say, if you don't change the individual that you bring in the door, that individual will use again. Solely for the purpose of not knowing any different. You're getting, you're, you're getting the message, it's coming in the right ear, but it's leaking out the left because you don't know what to do with it you don't have a positive frame of mind whatsoever and I think today with the people that with the information that we have not with the people but with the information that we have I think there's much more of a positive message to the addict who is trying to get clean that can assist them to that get out of that numb area i would say there are probably a lot more resources now and right. because there are there's been such a an explosion of addiction you know that's coming to the forefront as an epidemic i think you, you'll find there's been a lot of research into what's going on and i spend because i become obsessed with these types of things when they happen to me i've spent a lot of time researching and that's that's where you know picking up on the fact that it does take such a long time for your brain to calm down and become normal and then, you know, why did you become an addict in the first place? So we've got to go back and look at all of this stuff. And there are now, there are great support systems out there for the people who are, are ready and willing to take advantage of them. And not just for the addict, but for their families as well. Because, you know, the whole family becomes sick. It's not, you know, to me, it's like an infection that infects the entire family. And as a matter of fact, it could have been there from the beginning. You know, we could go into the whole thing about, you know, you're born with it and, you know, children of alcoholics and addicts are often become alcoholics and addicts themselves, and there may be genetics and all of those things. But if you grow up in the disease, it's going to be very hard to find new ways to process things because this is what you know. And and I think you know, you, you know, you said genetically and all of that. You know, and I've said this before. My mother didn't the day that I was born. My mother and dad said, oh, look, at the cute little lad. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but the things that I learned from alcoholic parents stunted my awareness of maybe where I should have been. So I don't necessarily know if it was genetically. I'm not going to argue that point, but it was definitely mentally because when you live in that environment, I was a firefighter for uh, quite a few years in, in Massachusetts, and we would roll to first aid scenes, and we would see children of 
addict parents. And I used to say in my mind, that poor little kid doesn't have a chance. Mm-hmm. It doesn't know any better. It doesn't know any different than to live the life that it was shown. My parents weren't falling down drunks, but I didn't know any different than live the life that I was shown. I chose not to drink alcohol. I chose to use heroin, although I did drink alcoholically. I, I wouldn't say that, you know, if I didn't find heroin that I wouldn't have become an alcoholic because I did drink alcoholically. I just think that we are who we become in a way. And and the environment produces that in in, in a lot of ways, I think. Um, you know, I did not grow up with alcohol at all, but I married an adult child of an alcoholic, mm-hmm. and he has a lot of the... We isms. call them isms mm-hmm. of alcoholism, the anger, and all of that stuff that that comes from living with a disease. And you know, fortunately for him, it didn't manifest in him. However, you know, it, it did go into the next generation, and we're dealing with that. And then, and then you you know to to get back to resentments you have within the family dynamic. Well, you're not handling the addict the way that you should, and you know, so there you know, there's no agreement on how we should be dealing with this situation, and that just makes it exponentially worse right so how do we process how do we process and I found attending support groups for families of addicts and alcoholics has been the most helpful for me to give me insight to have people call me out on my behavior when when they needed to and you know I pride myself on being a very nice person but behind the nice facade there can be a very judgmental nasty-minded person going on (laughs) You know, I'm just not going to say it out loud. And and I had to get through a a lot of that and realize that I wasn't perfect either. You know, a lot of us come in thinking we're perfect and it's, you know, these stupid addicts that are just ruining our lives. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's, I mean, we started it, but. Well, not necessarily. But maybe not. Not But maybe not. (laughs) Yeah. But maybe not. We just brought it to light. You know, and I think that what needs to happen is we need to feed positive emotions into that oh-so-negative environment that that family, um, that my family mindset lived in for so long. And fortunately enough, and I'm just going to, you know, throw everybody under the bus here. My father was an active alcoholic. My mother was an active alcoholic. My brother was an active alcoholic. I was an active heroin addict. And I'm just not going to tell on the others yet because they haven't come clean. Um, so, you know, the, the environment that I lived in could have very easily stoked the fire on a daily basis, um, because there was not positive emotion. I used to stuff everything, but I also knew that I could play with people's emotions you know, we're getting a little bit past resentments, but I mean, it's still all the same, you know, because it's an emotion. I could walk into a room and I was like an emotional terrorist. So I'm sure that people were walking around in my family environment or even friends and acquaintances that had resentments against me and how I acted. And I didn't care. Your resentment was yours. 
mine was making me use. So, okay, I'll hang on to mine. Um, you know, so it was tough having to inject positive emotions into a negative environment. Well, I think it has a lot to do with honesty, too. If you're being honest with yourself, you know, and obviously you've gone past all of that because you can say, yeah, that was that was that just gave me an excuse to use. Yes. Well, maybe it gives me an excuse to yell at somebody. Maybe it gives me an excuse to be nasty. It's an excuse to behave badly. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, being able to have enough insight into yourself to realize what's going on and stop it before it goes too far is very, very crucial in everybody getting better. And unfortunately, you know, when, you, when you've got the addict who's getting better now, who's, you know, in recovery, a lot of times the family isn't. Mm-hmm. And so you, have, you still have the dynamic, and it makes it that much more difficult for this recovering person to interact with family members who are maybe toxic to them. Right, and I think that's why there a lot of times it's healthy, sad but true, it's healthy that an addict takes themselves out of that mm-hmm. family equation for a set time so they can grab some type of spiritual understanding of where they are, where they've been, and where they're going. Without that, without the addict, being able to get better, the family will never get better. Never. You know, the family may never get better. We, we, I mean, we may have done that much damage to, we know people that the damage that they embrace today from yesterday's wrongs, there's nothing we can do about that. Nothing. We can, and that, we can, that's, that's where you need to arrive. Mm-hmm. There's nothing I can do. It's not my fault. I can't do anything about it. I can't change it. I can't control it. And I certainly can't cure it, whatever's wrong. The only thing that I can change and fix or try to fix is me. Mm-hmm. And and that's very, very hard to do. So I applaud anyone, especially addicts, who have been able to come to a place where they don't need to use anymore or, and are willing and working through this process. It's really lifelong, because it's that much harder for you guys. And it's so so much easy. It's not so much, but it's so easy to forget where you came from. Oh yeah. You get a couple of days under your belt. You get a brand new pair of sneakers. That was my that was my only problem when I was first clean. What I looked and what I dressed like because I had two pair of clothes while I was out there for so long. I was wearing one pair of pants and stood the other one up in the corner. (laughs) You know, um, I had to make sure that the outside was okay, even though the inside was a mess. So I was hiding behind all of that negative insecurity in me still, but I was acceptable, quote unquote, to society again. For the longest time, I wasn't. And that kind of gave me some type of bridge of security to say, okay, it's time to work on the inside. But I have no clue how to do that. Someone suggested to me to get somebody 
we'll we call them in in recovery or earn 12 uh, step programs a sponsor i've had the same sponsor for since i've been clean and i he got me to a point of understanding in positive thought process when i didn't even know he was doing it to me. Yeah. He just told me, come with me and, you know, do what I do. There were times when I was, I immediately, when I spoke to him, he told me he had four years clean. I had 30 days. Immediate resentment. Yeah, why not what, me? What gives you the right to have four years clean when I only have 30 days? And... You know, I'm going to share something on the other side about an experience my mother um, walked into at a grocery store with one of the kids in the neighborhood that I used to get uh, I used to get high with, and and it wasn't a pleasant re- it wasn't a pleasant experience, but it was a resentment that this woman was carrying around about me because I was clean and her son wasn't. You know, so that's something else. That no, I can understand that yeah. feeling. I get that too. But I can, I can very easily go there myself. Oh, and and so can I. I mean, not with, not with, you know, how come you're more clean than I am? I, I have a day or two under my belt, so that's not it. But how come you have a nicer car than I do and I have more time than you? I can very easily bring myself to, to Crazy Street yeah. on that if, it doesn't take, if it doesn't I don't take watch much. out. Yeah. That's why it's good to be vigilant and take care of yourself. Constant vigilance. Phone lines are open. Call in to share your experience, strength, and hope at 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. Let your voice be heard. Make a difference. We'll share a little more of our experience, strength, and hope when we come back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. What causes us to be sick? We're not talking about the actual illness or the scientific cause of illnesses. We're talking about your body and health. Listen for the healing whisper of Return to Peace. Each week, host Dr. Marianne Chase shows you how to listen to your heart to identify poor health, stress, and disease. You'll learn how to heal energetically and spiritually as well as physically. It's time to depend less on the drugs and more on the heart. The Healing Whisper airs live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with hosts Nancy Kerala and Dr. Chandra Bali Ghosh. Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C. diff survivor, healthcare professional, and the founder and executive director of the C. diff Foundation. And Dr. Ghosh is the chairperson of research and development for the C. diff Foundation. Together with their guests, we'll explore infection prevention, treatments, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Miracles in Recovery. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to Miracles in Recovery. Please visit our Twitter page at 855-STOP-USING. That's at 855-STOP-USING. Or our Facebook page, Miracles in Recovery. Also, send me an email at ray at miraclesinrecovery.org and let us know what topics you would like to hear on upcoming shows. And if you or your organization would like to be a featured guest on the show, please send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. We'll send you an information packet on how to schedule a time for you to be on the show for the full hour so that we can focus on what you have to bring to the recovery community. This is a really good opportunity to get your organization recognized. And we would love to talk to you about what you're doing. I think there's a lot of very interesting stuff going on out there now. There's a lot of of groups, online groups, in-person groups that people are, are starting up that are really doing a lot of good work in the area of addiction and recovery. Right. I and mean, I just want to share a breakdown of listeners that we have had in the countries that, oh, that we are heard. Yeah. United States, of course. United Kingdom, Italy, China, Australia, Canada, Germany, Taiwan, Japan, Portugal, Belgium, Brazil, France, Thailand, Ukraine, Iraq, and Russia. That must be the hacker in, <laughs> <Wow>. in Russia. <laughs> um, <laughs> Pretty amazing you know, that we can reach that many people. That's a, that's it's awesome. amazing. We, we, are, we are global. This show is global. So if you want to get your message of recovery out there, there's no better way than to use our show to do it. Come on and share your experience, strength, and hope. Everything you've ever dreamed of is on the other side of the telephone. Dial 866-472-5792. Call in and share your experience, strength, and hope. Now, I was talking about... Uh, sharing a story about my mother and and a woman and resentment. There was the longest time where I was struggling. It took me like five years to get a year, which makes sense if you are in the struggle. Somebody goes, well, five years, Ed, that math just doesn't play right. 
took me five years. I would get 30 days. I'd go back out. I'd get 45 days. I'd go back. I'd get out. I did that. I ran that cycle for four years. And then I was able to get out of my own way on a daily basis for a year. So it took me like five years to get that one year. And during that time of the year, my mother ran into a friend of mine's, friend of mine's, friend of mine's mother in the grocery store. And they were coming at each other with the carriages. And my mother said, hello, dun, dun, dun. And without any valve, she said to my mother, what gives your son the right to be clean when my son is still out there struggling? My mother didn't have an answer for her. All she said was, is that I will pray that your son gets the awareness and the awakening that my son did. And the woman stormed off. So she was holding a resentment for over four years because she would see me out on the street doing what I was supposed to be doing and her son was still standing with my ghost in the park. And so what I'm trying to get at is there are people that are harboring resentments against you, the listening audience, that you're not even aware of. You need to not really shut down and worry about you, but you need to worry about you. Clear up your mess and let other people worry about their own. I know if I walked back into one of the establishments that I was tossed out of 27 years later, somebody at the end of the bar would say, I knew you'd be back. <laughs> even even if I was walking in just to use the restroom, I shouldn't be using the restroom in a bar. But you know that was that would be the outcome of that. I knew you'd be back. Yeah. Gratefully, waiting for you to fall. Right. Gratefully, I wasn't sitting on the edge of the bar with that individual for that twenty-seven years. Um. So I know for me that if I don't clean my own street. And if I don't try to live a spiritual understanding of what it is that I'm doing, I'm back out the door. Well, one of the things that one of the first things when I first stepped into a 12-step program for families and friends of addicts and alcoholics was take care of yourself. And I did not understand what that meant in any way, shape, or form. And they said, think about this. When you get on a plane, what, are they, what do they tell you when they're doing the little opening monologue, the flight attendants? They tell you if you've got a child and the oxygen machine comes down or the mask, put it on yourself first and then put it on the child because you cannot take care of anyone else or be of any, any benefit to anyone else until you've taken care of yourself first. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, then you're going to continue in the same way that you are, and it's not going to have a happy ending. And the other thing that I needed to do was to realize that it's not all bad, and my life is not all bad, and maybe there are some things. They, they said, what are you grateful for? And I'm like, what do you mean? How can I possibly <laughs> be grateful for anything? You know, my family's under siege. I'm working my head off, and nothing is, nothing is helping, and everything's bad, and 
you know, I was resentful of the law enforcement systems, jails, drug dealers, anything you can think of. And what I needed to do was realize I had no control over those things and that there were other good things in my life that I could be grateful for. And maybe if I started focusing on them, my life would get a little better. And maybe if my life gets a little better, everyone around me will be benefited by that too. Maybe, maybe not. But the important thing is that I feel better. Right. You know, and one of the things, it's funny, when you were saying take care of yourself, my mind automatically went to, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that wasn't my, we, we are all martyrs. <laughs> there's, a, there's a certain type of person that's a good caretaker for an addict because we're martyrs. We'll clean up the mess because uh-huh. that's what we do, and we're very good at it. But after a while, it becomes a mess that you just can't clean up. Right. And every time I'm on a plane and she says, make sure you take care of yourself first, I'm saying, why are they telling me that? I know that. See, it would I'm never occur selfish. to me to do I'm the selfish person, that. yeah. I would be I'm putting it on everybody else first and, and running out of breath. And that's that's kind of what happens. Okay, so there's a lot of ways that we can stop negative thoughts or intercept a negative thought on the way to a resentment. One thing, um, you can say a little prayer. If you're aware that you're bringing in negative vibes, is you know, say a little prayer to get you to the other side. Um, take a ride on a bicycle, take a hike, go to the gym, sweat it out a little bit. Um, and that can help with giving you some positive blood flow anyway, I would imagine, to process that negative ugh, out of you. Well, I think talking it over with, with the right kind of person, and I used to have a lot of ain't it awful friends, and you can sit around and commiserate <laughs> about all the bad stuff that's happened to you, but to find positive people to to kind of um, reinforce you and make you feel good about things when when everything isn't going the way that you want it to. And I can be very resentful when things don't go the way that I want them to because I've worked real hard to get everything just right, and it doesn't go that way. Well, I may need to call a friend, talk to someone who has a more positive outlook, who can spin this thing a little differently so that I can see it from a different point of view. And a lot of times, that'll make me see where I'm I'm messing up. And another thing that I found is don't get, and people will tell you this all the time, don't get hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Stop. Halt. Bumper sticker. Yeah. Resent, bumper sticker. Resentment. Ping. One of the joys of recovery is re- rebuilding relationships. Because I didn't, it, that wasn't like a res- relationship. It was a, it was a convenience. It was friendship out of convenience. And, you know, it's not possible for people to rebuild relationships successfully if they hold a lot of resentments. If you're walking around hating everyone in your day, how are you ever going to get out of your own way? And, and those individuals who follow a spiritual program in recovery are the ones that you probably need to, like you said, have the conversations with. They've been there. They've processed. They have people in their life. To assist. And it's having those people that's the most important thing, I think. It really, for me, you know, I, I'm the kind of person that I, if I sit alone 
and stew is just going to brew and brew and get bigger and bigger and worse. Whereas if I can get out of my own way long enough to call somebody who can maybe show me how to look at this in a different way or something to be grateful for or even take my mind off of it. Right. I can right. I can get I can get better pretty quickly and not let it turn into something huge that's going to you know cause a, a permanent problem with someone that I have a relationship with. Exactly. And I'm going to right now break a little bit from what we were speaking about and I want to speak directly to my sister Karen because she just texted me and said she's listening. She said she's proud of me and Karen I, I love you and I'm grateful that I have my family in my life and they've helped me get to where I am today. You know, stop watching life go by. Get in touch with somebody who you know is no longer in the neighborhood and is probably clean. I thought my sponsor, I thought he was dead because he was gone for four years. My, my focus was in a two and a half block area. And when I went to a meeting and I found him, I clung on to him because I knew that I didn't want to go back out on the street. Surrender. You know, the, the famous last words of an addict is, is it will never happen to me. But the more you knock on the devil's door, someone's going to answer it. And it may be too late by the time you say help or by the time you say help for good. Yeah, say help and mean it. Yeah. So There's plenty of help out there for anybody who really wants it. That's the good thing. There's a lot of help. A lot of help, a lot of resources. Call us, 866 472 or send me an email, ray at miraclesandrecovery.org, and we will point you in the right direction. The beauty about recovery is that the network is global. It's huge. If you're in a different country than we are right now, and you need help, if you're in Germany and you need help, email is universal. We will find you the resources to get clean. So thank you, everyone, for listening to our show tonight. We are Miracles in Recovery. My name is Ray. My name is Ellen. Have a blessed evening. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week for Miracles in Recovery. Be sure to listen again for another edition with your host, Ray Lynch, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a great week. Hope is in your corner.